You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Milwaukee. Also, the Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Mondovi, uh, which is a little bit south of Eau Claire. Um, last time I said Eau Claire, I said it Eau Claire, and people were not <laughs> what? happy. What? Wait, I let you say Eau Claire, and I didn't even know. Did, did that really happen? Did you say Eau Claire with me listening? I, I don't I know. Feel, but like either way, was... people were pissed, which they was fair. Uh, they should have been, but... I mean, I didn't have any, like, friends go there or anything, and I don't really ever talk about it. So, um, yeah, I didn't really think about it, and people were mad. Uh, so I'm happy that I just said it right um, and didn't get it wrong again. But, yes, ESPN Mondovi, uh, a little bit south of Eau Claire. So I got it, everyone, and I'm sorry to uh, besmirch your fine town um, on an earlier podcast. You, the voice you heard of total indignation about my inability to pronounce things, Frank Madden, founder of Brew Hoop, and also the the publisher of a fantastic all-German video on Twitter, um, which was just delightful, Frank. Um, <laughs> so, kudos to you, my friend. It's my friend. Yeah, well, some, uh, who was it? Um, I think Squaresense asked me on, uh, Twitter user Squaresense asked me, how I pronounce Dennis Schroeder, Dennis Schroeder's name in everyday conversation. Cause we were talking about it the other day that, you know, it's easier to just sort of say Schroeder when you're, when you're speaking English, you, I don't know, like I'm not like one of those people who like easily flips back and forth to uh, like, I don't, I don't speak Spanish or anything like that. So I'm not like, I, I you know, there are other people who like, will just effortlessly split, switch between like proper Spanish pronunciations and English when they're saying like Spanish words mm-hmm. and I, I don't speak Spanish, but I do speak German and, it's hard doing that with German because, like, you're just—it's like almost like your mouth is just has to be in a different, like, more like aggressive state to speak German. Um, <laughs> but uh, but I I, uh, I saw the tweet and then uh, Sith Lord, the reigning king of you know uh, Twitter videos, and and Sith always records them while he's driving. Um, and I know I know he he sells cars for a living. I believe at West Alice Hyundai. I think. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, shout out to West Dallas Hyundai. Uh, Sith Lord, loyal listener of the Locked on Bucks podcast. I will say this, Sith. I, I know you work in the car business. I, I get a little nervous when you when you record videos while you're driving. I'm just going to say that. I get a little nervous when you record dri- while you're driving. But I f- felt obligated when he uh, jumped in and tried to pronounce uh, Jakob Pertl's name. <laughs> um, and it was not that far off. Pretty close. It was, it was a little, yeah. little, too, little too deep, a little too Pertl. A little too much of that for my taste. Um, I like it a little, a little harder, a little more aggressive, a little more German. Um, Pertl. Um, although, so then I just decided to go into my car and do a proper 
video because you have to record videos. Yeah, you can't you can't do it in a house. You can't do it anywhere else. It's got to be in a car. Yeah, yeah, and you don't probably need to speak German to understand my me saying to that effect. There's a part where I'm talking about um, making videos in out in in einem Auto, right? An Auto. Shockingly, that means car in German. So anyway, uh, but yeah, I, uh, you know, I gave a little bit of taste of, of some German name pronunciations, and I threw in uh, a little curveball at the end because Sith says Jabari Parker in in the most like uh, you crushed it, tra- you crushed trademark it. Wisconsin way. He says like Jabari, and yeah. so I just I I always enjoy. There's something just like really you know someone who doesn't live in Wisconsin anymore. There's something very like you know chef kisses fingers sort of about <laughs> about the way Sith Lord says Jabari. So. I had to throw in a Jabari at the end. But uh, anyway, if you don't follow my Twitter account, you probably have no idea what's going on or what all this stuff is even a reference <laughs> to. But um, needless to say, I spoke some German on Twitter tonight randomly. And I don't know, take it or leave it. You know, it's a spectacular this, this content, 45 seconds. I'll say this content. This content is free. You know, um, I, that's all I got for you. <laughs> I will say I enjoyed it. Um, mainly because I take a, a lot of joy uh, in you making sure everyone pronounces things correctly, um, especially uh, any type of German name. Uh, it, re- it really just makes my day to hear it. So 45 seconds of you speaking German was just next level for me. So so very happy that you did that. Happy that all of you have come along, and hopefully you've been listening to us long enough to actually understand that ger- that. Frank is upset, like obsessed with this, um, and hopefully you get these in jokes uh, because this has been a two to three minute start of pure in jokes. Like if you've only, if this is your first lockdown box, I apologize because uh, you have to be very lost. Um, more in jokes, more discussion about the podcast specifically. Frank, I was thinking about this the other day, and. Uh, I've made reference to a bunch of people have complimented us on our last couple episodes, and it's very nice to hear, and we're very appreciative of it. But I made a joke that finally all the practice we've we've had after 400 episodes has finally paid off. We're actually producing good podcasts at this point. Um, and I was like, "What's the what's the official episode count? Do you know what the, the actual be number? Four thirty nine, I think." Okay. And uh, so, we're we're so, we're just past our two year anniversary, right? That's like, where I, I was going. I was gonna okay. say we needed to do a two year birthday episode of Locked On Bucks, and we've already missed it. It was about a week ago, I think. Yeah. July. Oh, it, I think it was actually only a couple days ago. July fourteenth, I think it was. So it would have been over the weekend. Okay. Oddly enough, our Jabari Parker episode would have been our second birthday episode. I think. Wow. I think that is actually it. Um, so I think I think I, I think I remember. Was it? Were, were, was I in Vegas? I, I know it was the, during the Thon Maker first year Vegas um, Summer League, um, and so I, I just have this. I have this like memory of being in the hotel I was at in Vegas recording the first one. I think that's what where the first one was, but I, I could be wrong. But yeah, good times. Time flies. That seems like a long time ago, but two years. It's crazy, only, right? Only only two years ago. Yeah. Uh, and and now I've I've got a if you guys hear noises, I've got a baby monitor, a sleeping baby. So, um, baby crying will be from another room. Hopefully she's good. Had to restore her pacifier right before we started because she's one of those babies that you know the spidey sense goes off if the pacifier falls out of her mouth while she's sleeping. And then I had a dog downstairs uh, howling out of uh, loneliness, so I had to bring the dog up. So now there's a a dog who, by the way, doesn't have the use of her hind legs, so she just kind of ambles around on her front paws. Um, very cute. But uh, if you hear some, like, sounds like a rodent 
kind of scratching around on the hardwood floors. That's that's just my little 11-year-old dog scurrying around. So anyway, lots of just you know, helpless organisms uh, potentially <laughs> disrupting the podcast tonight. People in constant need of your attention and yes. care. Uh, so that will, if if you need to take a, a little time, just let me know, Frank. Um, all right. So we had, uh, strangely enough, a couple topics that we wanted to talk about today. Um, as we kind of, I, I don't know, go into the dead season, right? Like I think, as obviously we joked, you know, in. In June, that uh, you know, going up to the draft, we don't really know who the Bucks have worked out. It's kind of dead, but really, it wasn't that dead. Like there were still things going on, still stuff to talk about, and obviously, the first couple weeks of July, there's free agency to talk about. So we still had things to talk about. Um, Jabari Parker has made his decision, uh, which I thought was going to probably go on a couple more weeks. So I guess it's nice that it's done with and over, but also. I could use content for the next couple of weeks. So um, we kind of have to figure that out. But we're kind of in this dead zone where summer league's over, uh, draft is done, free agency is done, and now we got about, I mean, like two months probably until we actually get back into like the idea of basketball as we get ready for like training camp and preseason basketball. So uh, a little bit of you know time to wait, and we'll slow down a little bit. And I mentioned at the end of last podcast, we'll probably – probably shrink down to like three episodes a week instead of five episodes a week um in these next couple weeks is you know we kind of slow down and there's not as much to talk about so um that isn't the case today we have a couple things to talk about today we got to talk a little bit about summer league we got to talk a little bit about jabari parker and we got to talk a little bit about uh Kawhi and Giannis and who's the best player in the east we'll end the episode with that so um summer league recap frank i think I mean, I think there's some interesting stuff there. So the Bucks did have someone make Summer League all-first team, uh, or all-Summer League first team, or whatever it would be. Um, and it was Christian Wood, and I guess there's been a lot of hand-wringing over Christian Wood, and I get it because, you know, he did have a Bucks jersey on. And, you know, the Bucks could potentially sign him cheaply, but that, to me, is part of the problem. Um with Christian Wood, I think it was pretty clear going into the summer league that he's after one thing, an actual NBA opportunity. He he would he's not interested in a two way because I think if he's interested in a two way, the Bucks would have signed him to a two way already. Uh, they now uh, rescinded the qualifying offer to Marshall Plumley, so they do have an open two way spot. And I, I think if he was interested before summer league started, the Bucks might have even had him on a two way. So. That's clearly not what he wants. He wants an NBA contract. And, I mean, I think if you're Christian Wood and you've been a, a bit of a journeyman over the years, you want opportunity. And i got to say, I don't see where that opportunity is in Milwaukee. Because, at one, I don't know if Christian Wood has a true position at this point, but he's probably a 4-5. or five. And at the 4, you have Giannis Tedekumbo. And you have Ersan Ilyasova. That is going to take up 40 minutes... 48 minutes every night, so there's no minutes at the power forward spot. And then when you go to center, you have Brooke Lopez, who takes up you know, 25 minutes a night, and then you have John Henson and Thon Maker. And if you're trying to create a totem pole, you might move John Henson down, and you might not like him, but as far as developmental projects go, Thon Maker is ahead of Christian Wood 
<laughs> you got to figure out what you have with Don Makers. So he's ahead of him. John Henson needs minutes. And like, I just don't see an opportunity for Christian Wood. Uh, so again, this is kind of something I talked about with the Jabari Parker stuff. Like there's two parties involved that one party could be very interested in one thing. One party could be very interested in something else. And I do think the Bucks would be interested in signing Christian Wood, but I don't know that Christian Wood would be interested in signing with the Bucks, despite getting his opportunity to play with the Bucks in the summer league. I don't know that he'd be interested in playing with the Bucks because there's no opportunity for him. Like there, to me, there's no way that he falls into even just a rotation role in the top eight with the Bucks because they signed two guys in those positions that he would play to do those things. So I, I just, to me, it makes sense why he would not potentially want to sign with the Bucks. Yeah, I don't I'm I'm kind of torn on this. I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see. I mean, Matt Velasquez at the Journal Sentinel reported, you know, that that he was talking to a few teams. Um we'll see, right? I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see where he lands um just because I mean, he's not going I don't think he's going to sign anywhere where he's going to have like really clear rotation minutes. That's, that's my guess at least. Yeah. Um I mean, I think he's going to be a guy who's going to have to to leapfrog some people in a rotation in or you know, in in training camp and throughout the season and practices to to really get an opportunity and and you know it really speaks to how important it is to be drafted high to have a team vested in you because i mean what you saw from thon maker last year if christian would you know let's just say christian would have last year was similar to what christian would is right now which again maybe is unfair maybe he's i think he's probably better right now than he was a year ago because he's a young player he's only 22 years old but Throw Christian Wood the opportunity that Thon Maker got last year. Do you really think he would have been worse than Thon Maker, who was one of the worst regular rotation minutes guys in the NBA last year? I, I think mean, again, you just answered your own question with that qualifier. Yeah. I would say no. Yeah. yeah. So um, that's uh, that's kind of a a little bit of a sobering reality, right? Because um, you know, again, and 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 here's a, I mean, Thon and, and Wood are really interesting to compare because you know. I mean, what we saw from Thon in his second year summer league versus what we saw from Wood this year. I mean, you know, they're very stark differences in terms of, um, you know, Thon is just a guy who he he just isn't talented enough offensively to ever really be showcased in a way that like Wood was for a summer league team. I mean, Thon just he doesn't have any sense of I don't think timing for rolling to the rim. Wood is just really good at that he just he also doesn't you know, have again, the hands to catch the ball that, that was the second thing i was just saying I mean, wood catches everything he's very coordinated and fluid and finishes and the ball just comes to him right i mean he's one of those guys who has a knack for the ball um i'm not gonna say he's like a phenomenal rebounder but he's a good rebounder right he gets he gets to the ball and he has a nose for it and he finishes and um he's very fluid and natural in, in the way that he does that right and um you know thon just isn't isn't any of those things he's not strong around the basket just doesn't play with with force um around the around the paint and um you know things just come very hard for him when he's trying to to make plays with the ball and and so really you know he is everything kind of for i think for thon really comes down to um obviously just his ability to stretch out to the three-point line and i mean christian wood was a better three-point shooter in the g league last year than thon was at the nba level thon was better two years ago when he hit 38 percent but last year you know 30 percent whatever 29 30 percent that you're not a stretch five if you hit 30 percent right you got to yep. do better than that um, unless you're joe allen beat unless you're joe and you're gonna make a joke about that um <laughs> so I, I think it's interesting i mean again i'm not saying that like you you should be dumping pond maker to give christian wood a chance um because again i mean i think there is a, i think there is still a valid reason to give thon another look um you know but again i will say this i 
after last um, after the playoffs last year, um, I I think that I don't know what the market was for for Thon this summer, right? Especially with the big market, I don't I don't necessarily think they could have gotten a lot for him, right? But if someone had offered me a late first round pick for Thon Maker, I would have taken that. I think I think that was a you know again a really small sample of him reminding us of what he can do, but what he kind of rarely has done and. I just don't. I, I'm. Let's just say this. I'm. I'm. I'm rooting for the guy. He seems like a great kid. Works really hard. Everybody seems to love him. Um, he's a guy, kind of guy you root for. But with Thon, I just. Uh, again, I, I just think you know we've talked about him as being kind of a sneaky low. Sneakily, he was a high, higher floor, low ceiling guy than I think people like. People thought of him as a boom bust guy, and I think yeah. we always talked about his skill set sort of made him more higher floor, lower ceiling maybe just because he didn't really have the offensive feel and, and hands to, to maybe be a really dynamic offensive player. But, you know, if you can hit threes and switch and defend at a high level with a lot of energy, then then you you have value, right? You don't need yeah. the, the bar is not that high. So um, so we'll see. But I think um, to me, I was gonna, to me, you just said the one word switch. Yeah, like a, that's what I need to know. Is Mike Budenholzer going to run a switching scheme while Thon is on the floor? If he is, I feel uh, confident is not what I'd feel. Um, I'd feel more confident. I, I would have some sense of you know hope that he can truly become an NBA rotation big because I, I think now we've seen two postseasons when you're crafting specific defensive game plans for team for different teams that you're playing. And it ends up having a lot of switches. Thon excels. He, he does well in those situations. And I just think anytime you kind of ask him to do anything else, whether that's whether that's high hedging, which is something that he could potentially be good at, you know, because it, it requires a number of the same skills that that switching does. Or if you ask him to uh, zone drop, which is just a terrible idea because he's awful at it. Um, whether you ask him to do either of those two things, like uh, he just hasn't figured those out. Switching though, he seems to grasp and he seems to be able to handle. And uh, I just think to me, that's the big question is if, if Mike Boonholzer will have him switch on defense, I, I think there's, there's a, there's a chance. And I don't feel that same way if you ask him to do those other two things. Yeah, and I think the, the unfortunately the counter argument, you know, I, I I would agree. Like I think the way to weaponize him is is to switch, um, to try to get teams to 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 think that they can just you know run run pick and rolls to to get isolations on Thon and then and then have him surprise teams like he yeah. did the Boston Celtics. Um, the the counter argument to that is well, if you want to play sort of like an undersized five. And I still see people like refer to Thon as as being like a natural four. And again, I just 100% he cannot play the four offensively. Like you cannot put a guy yeah. with that low skill level at the four position. You just can't. It'll kill if you if you're playing like him and another uh, five, like traditional five, who's not like a spacer dynamic player. Nope. It it doesn't work. Like you you just have to have guys at at least four positions who can actually like you know shoot dribble pass and right now Thon occasionally can shoot a little bit but you know again it's it's just really hard so again he's got to be a five or he's nothing um just because he's going to kill you off and i mean he's he's already like you know his on off numbers are, in a, are horrible right i mean like the bucks have been terrible the last year when when thon's been on the court except in some of those playoff lineups where he was good so 
it's it's tough. I mean, you know, we said it a year ago, right? Like this is a crucial year for Thon Maker. Well, now this is even more of a crucial year for Thon Maker. I think with Malcolm Brogdon, he showed that his fresh his, his freshman his rookie year was not a fluke. You know, mm-hmm. um, I don't. I think he showed he probably was not going to make some massive leap uh, from his rookie year, but. Um, you know, he, he played really well for stretches last year, too. Obviously, he had the injuries, which unfortunately kind of curtailed him a bit. But he had periods where he looked like a guy who had taken some strides. We saw some off-the-dribble threes, Eric, which was really <laughs> refreshing. Um, but for Thon, I mean, it is such an such an important year. And I, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it, it will be really interesting to see if, I mean, what if Thon Maker just doesn't play this year, right? I mean, is Budenholzer going to yeah. give him the leash to play because he's competing with as of now, you know, Brooke Lopez, John Henson, Tyler Zeller, three guys who are all pros and competent at various things um, and certainly were better NBA basketball players than Thon Maker last year. So um, so anyway, so yeah, I think it's an, a really interesting dynamic. Um, returning to Wood for a second, I'll ask you this question. I'll give you my opinion first. Um, you know, would I have waived Tyler Zeller's non-guaranteed contract to sign Wood? I can understand. I understand why a guy like Bud would not because Zeller is just like a known quantity. And I think, again, I think Zeller is a savvy player, especially offensively. Like he knows where to be. And actually he has some of the, some of the things I said about Wood, he actually has similar kind of sense. You know, we saw him connect with Giannis a lot. Giannis just always seemed to find him in good spots and he could finish with either hand. Um, So, I mean, I saw nice things. Zeller, Um, but then it also kind of, there's this question of like, if you're a team like the Bucks. With with these like spots like, you know, second, third, fourth string center, um, if you're going to have a guy like that in your roster, to me that's where you try to play the variance game a little bit and just find guys who are higher variance outcomes. And by that I mean guys who could dramatically outplay their 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 salary slot, right? And I mean Tyler Zeller could very well be better than a two million dollar player, right? I mean I think he's talented yeah. enough to do that if he gets an opportunity. He played 17 minutes a game last year, um, despite you know being kind of the third stringish guy when he came over um so we know that there can be opportunities granted jason kidd had a weird obsession with playing three centers um but uh but we'll see but i think you know the the other argument would be well if you're playing christian wood or thon maker at center you know those guys are not like trying to have traditional big centers uh why not play the other guy who's 611 with the 73 wingspan uh, on your roster, who actually happens to be like one of the most dynamic offensive players in the league at, at center, which is yeah. Giannis Antetokounmpo. So, um, so yeah, I mean, there's arguments for for really neither Christian Wood nor uh, Northon Maker really even seeing the floor when the Bucks are healthy because the dynamic they bring might just might not be really unique enough. But by the same token, um, I think the Bucks are still a little thin at at the at the four spot because um, they really only have two guys that I think of as fours. And, um, you know, again, I think if you add another guy who could play the four, I think that could help. But, you know, again, is Christian Wood even a four in today's league? I, I don't know, right? Um, I think he can certainly play there a little bit, but he's, I feel like he's probably best off as a small ball five. And yeah. Not, not that small. But. Yeah, I, I, I'm still not really sure what he is. I think that's something that I struggle with. And then, uh, and again, I understand that, you know, there's probably not, like a real opportunity out there for him. Uh, so, so maybe there is a chance here in Milwaukee, but I think to me, Christian Wood is going to look his best in a place like summer league where he's playing all the time. Like all of the things that you might have a concern with him about, like motor, um, being able to find the flow of a game, uh, being able to find his spot and how he can contribute. Like, I think all of those things come from him getting time 
Um, and, and again, that may just sound like a silly thing. Of course, the player's going to look better the more he plays, but I think with him it can be especially true. And, you know, some of those other things kind of come into the play, like, you know, where he doesn't play hard all the time or he has, like, attitude issues or whatever it may be. Like, I think all those things can come into play if you are just not getting a chance um, and maybe not getting a chance for a coach who knows he needs to win and he was brought in to win and you know maybe again i had hawks university is a thing but also maybe he just bud doesn't want to put up with that this year i, I don't really know so i would say uh pro- it's it's still tough because he gives your roster a more varied look and i like taking those chances with guys at the end of the roster so i guess i probably would but i don't feel i don't feel overly strong about it um in, in adding Christian Wood. Yeah, it's weird. I normally don't really care about guys who, like, aren't on the Bucks, <laughs> like, yeah. to put it bluntly. Um, but he's actually a guy, like, I, again, like, we, I mean, we talked, you, know, you you dug up that footage. Like, we've <laughs> been sort of intrigued by him for, for years now since he came out of college. And, um, you know, he was fun to watch this summer. He's a fun type of player, just given his athleticism. And, um, you know, you can see the outlines of a of a pretty good NBA player. And I think there are a lot of reasons why, you know, he hasn't gotten really even a chance to be that yet um but but yeah it would would definitely have been interesting if he you know if some team takes a chance on him in the 20s in that draft um you know would he would his would his uh storyline have been very direct yeah i mean look like his college teammate rashad vaughn goes 17 to the bucks (laughs) like yep you know can can anyone look at that and say that that was justified i mean wood was a better college player than than vaughn and you know, did more stuff, you know, had certainly yeah. had more physical tools than, than Vaughn ever did. Um, but, you know, again, like the Bucks, for whatever reason, they, you know, thought this guy was going to be a great shooter. And, you know, Vaughn, who a lot of people had as a second round prospect, kind of similar to Wood, he ends up going 17, he gets three years and washes out, whereas Wood never really had the chance. And now maybe this year he, uh, he finally finds his way back into the league. All right, second thing we wanted to talk about today was Jabari Parker, and he had his introductory press conference in Chicago, and he, I'm trying to think, uh, some of the highlights from that. Um, <laughs> highlights? Uh, he went out of his way to praise Derrick Rose, which is problematic. Um but I mean, not surprising. They've known each like, sure. Jabari, Jabari's Twitter avatar is a picture of him as I think a middle schooler with with Derek Rose, who went to Simeon High School, same as same as him. Correct. So they've known each other forever. Yeah. And again, that whatever. Um, I will just say it's problematic uh, because totally Derek, agree. Derek De- Rose. Derek Rose is problematic. Um, probably probably a sleazeball and a crappy basketball player now. So kind of yep. that, that all works that works out. Yeah. Um, so that might've been like the highlight ish there, obviously talked a little bit about his offense and, you know, how he might fit in and, you know, maybe not feeling like he always fit in in Milwaukee and getting touches pretty much everything that you've heard with Jabari Parker before. Um, and then he had an interview with 670, the score, um, and Dan Bernstein ended up asking a couple questions of him, which I'm going to read. And I'm gonna read his responses. And I mean, I, I just think if if you're one of the people, I think like both of us who have questioned Jabari's potential and ability going forward, I think you kind of heard these quotes and just sat there and nodded, like, "Yep, 
Yeah, no, okay. That those are the reasons right there that that you know you'd be concerned about them. So let's start with this one. A coach once said, if you can play offense effectively, you can put your mind to playing defense effectively too. Do you believe that? Jabari Parker. I don't know. I just stick to my strengths. Look at everybody in the league. They don't pay players to play defense. There's only two people who historically play defense. I, I'm not I'm not going to say that I won't, but to say that's a weakness is like saying that's everybody's weakness. Because I've scored in the 30s, the 20s, on a lot of guys who say they play defense. <laughs> Next question. Switching is prevalent nowadays. Do you think you can be an adequate switch for a couple dribbles defender? And this question was asked because Fred Hoiberg has talked about how uh, he believes that there are two additions, Jabari Parker and Zach Levine, and I know Zach Levine's not an addition addition, but the guys that they signed this offseason, he says he believes, you know, we can do some switching defensively and, you know, we'll be able to put something together there. Uh, so do you think you can be an adequate switch for a couple dribbles defender? Jabari's response, well, if you know the game, you also know everybody's a pro, right? You know that certain guys have an average. No matter what you do, they're still going to get that average. So they pay people to score the ball. I would hope that somebody would score the ball on me if they paid them that much. I'm not saying that's cop-out or nothing, but it's the NBA. We're professionals. Everybody scores. It's just the amount of limiting them as much as you can trying to contain them. And finally, is that a team-wide responsibility then? Someone like James Harden trying to keep him from scoring 35? Jabari? Like... James Harden, MVP, a bad night for him is 25, especially somebody that has the ball in their hands and is so decisive. You just have to respect them and try to contain them as much as you can, but a better offense wins a championship. So <laughs> those are Jabari Parker's comments. Um, Frank, a couple laughs during those, and I think the laughs were warranted. I guess just where does your head go when you hear those questions and those responses? Well, I mean, we've we've talked about how weird Jabari Parker is as an interview for years. Yep. Um, he just says baffling things and like the way his vocabulary use, like, I don't Strange. know, sometimes it. Yeah. Yeah. And it, that, that wasn't really the case today, maybe. But like there just times where he just seems like he's like thinks he just saw something on thesaurus.com and he just like throws words in. It's just like, I know you're not. I know he was. I don't think he's like dumb. But like, I just don't understand what he's what he's trying to convey. And I don't know. I think part of it is he is kind of distrustful of the media in general. So he, he just sort of gets weird um, about that, especially it seems like he was he's always weirdest when he's talking about basketball. Like when he's talking about non basketball things, it seems like he's a lot more at ease and, and comfortable. Um, but but yeah, I mean, my first thought when seeing these quotes was more not even really about his game so much as just like just kind of the weirdness of Jabari Parker that we've seen before. Like this isn't. Like to me, knew that he would say weird things like this. I think, you know, in that same Bill Michaels Bucks basketball hour uh, interview where he, you know, said or implied that he hadn't gotten the three or fifty-four million dollar offer last fall from the Bucks. I think he also had some really strange comments about like other teams shooting the three, shooting too many threes, and them knowing that that that's what like they want them to do. It was just like, what sport are you watching? I don't know. It's just like yeah. really just very strange stuff that. You know, it does obviously make you just sort of wonder, like, how, how does this guy think basketball is played? Like, does he really believe that or is he just like trying to deflect? Because, I mean, whatever, like, you know, he knows that he's a bad defender, obviously. <laughs> he's not yeah. defending himself. Um, 
but he's almost, I mean, he's, it's just like a very strange tact to take. And so I don't know, maybe it's just him being awkward about this. Um, but the flip side is, well, we spent four years wondering, is he going to wake up and show like vague, any sense of instincts on defense. Right. And we, we've seen it like literally just like in a handful of games, it feels like including like maybe a quarter, you know, one and a half games in the playoffs. So I don't know. I mean, to me, like him saying this stuff, I mean, this is such an obvious area where, you know, you just say some stuff about being excited to come in and work hard and do whatever you can for the team and work with the coaching staff, blah, blah, blah. Like there's such an obvious sort of throwaway line you can throw in here, but to instead basically imply that like, basically you're not obligated to play defense because you're a scorer. I mean, that just sort of reinforces like all of our worst assumptions around Jabari's, you know, complete lack of upside as a defender. And yep. I don't know, whatever. It's just sort of like you see it and it's just part of me is just like, well, not, not my problem anymore as a, as a, as a fan. Right. Yeah. Like, um, but, but it is just bizarre because he's obviously a guy that you talk to people with the team, like people personally behind the scenes when they're not, when he's not in front of cameras, like people really like him, but then just so much of his commentary and obviously just the way he acted around the team on the court last year. It's just, just really strange. It's just kind of, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of exhausted by all things Jabari Parker right now. So, you know, seeing some of that today, I was like, well, you know what? I'm, I'm at least, you know, whatever. We'll see how Jabari Parker plays in the next five, 10 years and what he becomes. But a, you know, non strange interview, it seems like he's very much still, still going to be that. Yeah, and, and a strange interview. He will continue to be a very strange interview. Yeah, and uh, I mean, it was just just as I was kind of listening to it. It was just like, well, you know, people are going to ask these questions, and I mean, in Milwaukee, like I was regularly asking him about defense and how he felt there, and you know, most of the time I get brushed off, and that's totally fine. Like if if that was something that he didn't want to talk about. And he just wanted to say, like, like you said, kind of a cliche, like, oh, you know, as a team, we got to defend better, whatever it may be. That that was totally fine with me, and I'm sure he got tired of me asking those questions when we did get a chance to talk to him. So, like, I can get it, but to come out firing this way and be like, well, you know, guys are just going to score points. So as long as as long as I score, that that's fine. They pay me to score the ball, not play defense. No one gets paid to play defense. Well. Marcus Smart got four for 48, which is more guaranteed money uh, than you did. And they're not paying him for his offense. Uh, so it was just just a strange thing to say. And, I mean, I, you know, it, that is whatever it is. And uh, I've had a couple people now uh, in the last couple of days tweet me and be like, oh, you guys are obsessed with Jabari Parker. You won't stop talking about him. Like, he's a bull now. And it's like, you know what, if you really feel that strongly about it and you don't want me to talk about Jabari Parker at this point, like, I'm sorry, because he just left the team. <laughs> it's currently the biggest story about the Milwaukee Bucks, so we're going to continue to talk about it. But, I mean, I don't I don't foresee us checking in the entire year. Um, I, there's not going to be, a, a, other than the four games where the Bucks and Bulls play against each other, I don't expect us to talk about Jabari Parker a whole lot unless some rumors come out or anything like that. So I would say this is probably pretty close to the last time you hear us talk about him, which if it was that big of a problem, I'm sorry. Um, and yeah, we will move on. But uh, just one more thing, you know, to kind of add to this, as it has been such a big debate about did the Bucks screw up and keep him? Should they have let him go? What, what could have happened here? And, you know, 
it was just another thing that I wanted to touch on there a little bit. All right, uh, last big thing, league-wide, Kawhi Leonard to the Toronto Raptors, which uh, I think kind of messes with the, the power structure in the Eastern Conference. I think going into, or I guess before that trade, kind of here in the summer, uh, I think the packing order was pretty much Celtics on the top, and not because of what just what they did last year, but they're adding Gordon Hayward, so Celtics on the top. Uh, then probably the Sixers. And then, you know, I think there was probably a blob of Raptors, Pacers, Bucks, Wizards. Uh, at least that was the way I kind of saw it. Um, and now I think the Raptors have separated themselves from that by trading for Kawhi Leonard and moving DeMar DeRozan in that trade. And uh, I think they've given themselves, uh, you know, it's only a year with Kawhi, so maybe that'll be it. And, uh, you know, he won't end up having another year there. But for this year, I think they vault themselves to the, probably to the, I'm not going to say the top of the list. I think the Celtics still might be a little bit better, but they're certainly right there with the Celtics. I'd put them above the Sixers. So um, I think uh, kind of the the power structure has changed a little bit. And then on top of that, one question I kept getting today was, is Giannis still the best player in the Eastern Conference? We talked about it a couple weeks ago or a week ago or whenever, two weeks ago when LeBron officially left and said, no doubt, he's easily the best player in the Eastern Conference. I think it is it a question now, Frank. Uh, would you say Kawhi is is better than Giannis? How, where does Giannis stack up now? Well, I think I think Kawhi has to. The, the burden of proof is on Kawhi to show that he is what he was. Um, yeah. I think if he's a hundred percent of what he used to be, then I think certainly you can make a case that that he could be the best. But I don't think that's an obvious thing necessarily. Even I think certainly. Um, you know, defensively, he is as impactful as, as certainly any wing defender that we've seen in a very long time. Um, but and and Toronto, I mean, I I just couldn't believe like like you know we we often talk about um, like winning trades on the margins. You know, like what is the last what is the last thing that that swung, swings the deal sort of from feeling like good versus bad? And the fact that San Antonio like as the the extra salary they had to add in Danny Green who's like a good NBA player on an expiring yes. contract. And then they also had to give uh, Toronto 5 million bucks. Like that, like that just feels like at the end of the day, like it was Toronto just sort of, you know, sitting back playing poker better, better. And we talk a lot about playing poker of late, but, um, but it was Toronto playing better poker than, than San Antonio. And again, like it, it's tough because I mean the Spurs, obviously like, I, you know, yeah, I would have, said this the spurs should have preferred like more of a young player centric type package and you know just they should just try to rebuild but whatever like if pops only going to be around a few more years and he doesn't want to do that like all right you won five championships whatever i'm not i'm not going to sit here and you know lecture uh rc buford and greg popovich on what their you know sort of um goals should be but certainly in terms of like what i would want my team to do um a lot of head scratching things coming out of San Antonio the last couple of years, whether it was the pow deal, um, whether it was obviously just the way that everything with Kawhi has gone down. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're still, and they still won 47 games without Kawhi Leonard. So you throw in DeMar DeRozan, like in theory, right? This should be a 51 team, but I, I don't know. I, it's just, um, um, I mean, again, like even, even swapping like Danny green for, for DeMar DeRozan, like, I don't know. Like is, I mean, I, 
I'll say DeMar DeRozan is a better player, but in terms of playing Spurs basketball, I don't know. I mean, it just seems like the Spurs are now between Aldridge, DeRozan, and, and even Rudy Gay. Like, they're just fully embracing mid-range basketball, I guess. And I don't know. Weird weird times in San Antonio. And um, I think if you're Toronto, I, I like it if you're Toronto. I mean, you're, you're just, you know, a year from now, maybe Kawhi walks, right? Maybe he's just like, screw this, I want to go someplace else. But... Kawhi also doesn't seem to really want to go anywhere, right? Like he supposedly wanted to go to LA, but I'm not going like, to try oh, to figure out Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, I, yeah. Then it was I, like, oh, I don't have he, it. I don't yeah, know. then it was just like, oh, well, no, now he doesn't necessarily want to go be LeBron's wingman. It's like, where the hell does this guy want to go? I mean, yeah. do you want to go play basketball on Neptune or something? I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. Like he's he's just a hard guy to figure out. So, um, so I won't pretend to know what the odds are of them keeping him, but. I mean, I think they have a, I don't know. I think, I mean, I think the, the tie, you know, oftentimes does go to the team you're at, especially if they win a ton of games. I mean, I think they have a very legit chance to go to the finals, right? Um, I, I think it's going to be really interesting. So I, I think it's a worthwhile gamble. And if, again, if he leaves in a year, you really didn't give up, you know, kind of some of your, a lot of your core young pieces. And um, I mean, you could kind of quickly shift into more of a rebuild with, with Lowry being expiring a year from now. But by the same token, I mean, they have a bunch of really nice young pieces. So I don't know if they'll ever really even be able to bottom out because <laughs> they yeah. have some some nice players. So I don't know. So, yeah, I, I think I think a good worthwhile gambit for the for the for Masai Ujiri and the Raptors. And um, I, I would also say, yeah, I think, you know, the hopes that Toronto would sort of fall back down to earth after that awesome regular season a year ago. Um, certainly for a team like the Bucks chasing them, um, the odds of, of catching them certainly went down. And I think uh I, w- I would maybe even say Toronto and uh, maybe Boston, Toronto, and then Philly would be my hierarchy. I think, I think Philly. I don't know. We'll see. I think there's really been... Yeah, they're they're kind of it's it's kind of been they they just it, the the big breakthrough didn't really happen. And obviously, like I'm a fan of you know the the Zaire Smith trade, and he's a really interesting player, kind of hit or miss summer league, but you know that's a long term play, really more than a than a short term one. And, you know, obviously Bellinelli and Ersan actually mm-hmm. played really nice roles for them down the stretch. And those guys are obviously gone. And now Nemanja Bielitsa apparently also not signing. We, we often cited that deal that he signed as like the, the Bucks should have given that to a, a Sova deal. Well, maybe he's not signing that deal now with Philadelphia. So, um, yeah, their, their summer, especially now with Kawhi off, off, uh, off to Toronto, um, it's, it's been a weird one. But obviously they have, you know, a couple of young stars who you expect to get better and um, I don't know. We'll see. Things obviously came together really well for them, especially at the end of the season. And as I said yesterday, you know, we'll we'll see if things break exactly right. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they win a similar amount of games this year. I, I don't. Let's just say this: I Philly doesn't. I just don't necessarily feel like Philly's going to win sixty games. Like there's some natural like leap they're going to make. And you know, it's interesting. I mean, a year ago, it, it's it's weird, right? Because a year ago, like it would have been. I, I think it would have been like, wow, if they win forty two games, that'd be an awesome season for them. But I also didn't think Markel Fultz was going to get the yips and not play in the playoffs and become like this massive question mark either, right? Yeah. So it's, it's kind of weird because they're in a spot where now the, the they've shown they can win games, but like the core of their kind of star roster now, you know, whereas a year ago you said, oh, they got the three awesome young players. Well, Simmons and, and Embiid are awesome, but the third guy is now like this massive question mark. So it is really interesting in Philly with with all that. They still have obviously a lot of young assets to go with those guys, but um, 
you know, as far as like who actually is like, do they have a third guy who's going to be like really a, a big piece for them? I mean, Sarich has, has, has been that guy, I guess, technically so far. Yep. Um, but, you know, again, like you're not looking to Dario Sarge to be the third banana on a, on a championship team. So, yeah, a lot of interesting storylines to watch. And, and obviously for the Bucks, you're probably going a little under the radar just given you didn't have a, a super splashy summer. And, and obviously you're losing a high-profile guy in Jabari Parker. But, you know, as we talked about the other night, um, I think there's a chance for the Bucks to surprise some people. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I tweeted about it earlier today, but I just think it's interesting that, you know, we base – we base everything for the next season after the, like off of the previous season. So, like our frame of reference is, oh, the Sixers won, I think, fifty-two games. The Celtics had a great year, a great postseason. Uh, the Bucks only won forty-four, and like you, you kind of think through all of that. And uh, again, obviously, if the Bucks don't have Jason Kidd, I think they have a much better year last year. But even if you just simulate that season. 100 more times in those simulations do Malcolm Brogdon and Matthew Dalva get hurt at the same time probably maybe like in four or five of them um like I, I don't I don't know if that happens again and maybe the Bucks then are a 46 win team instead of a 44 win team and again maybe that's not huge but it is still something it is still that team being a little bit better so I don't know like yeah, I just think about the the range of possible outcomes last year and I think with the Bucks 44 was near the bottom end of it and I think with the team like the Sixers maybe 52 was near the top end of it and uh, it was just kind of interesting i was thinking about that and then jacob goldstein our friend uh tweeted out some of the possible range outcomes for next season and i thought that was really interesting and i don't know it's just gonna be it'll be interesting to see and then with with the raptors can you imagine what Dwayne casey has to be thinking right now like, are you shitting me? You guys, hey, you guys. Hey, he's ex- he's excited to be in Detroit. Okay, <laughs> he's excited. He talked to Tom Gores, the Wayne Newton of uh, NBA owners, uh, drunk Wayne Newton of NBA owners, and is just really excited about the possibilities in Detroit. So I don't know what you're talking about. Here. I finally get rid of LeBron, and then you give me Kawhi Leonard, and now I don't get to coach them. Like, oh my gosh, the poor guy. But also, I, I think. That makes the Raptors even more interesting because not only do you have, not only do you have Kawhi coming in, you have a new coach in Nick Nurse coming in, someone who I'm a fan of. I think is going to be a great coach, but at the same time, you know you got a coach that's getting used to teams, uh, to all of his players, and then you have a new player getting used to that, and then how do Kawhi and Kyle Lowry work? Like how does all this work together? Like I. There's going to be a little bit of a process to get used to all those things, and you know if it doesn't go well, does Kawhi kind of check out and say, "Well, you know, I'm, I'm going to go to Los Angeles. Uh, my quad's acting up. Uh, sorry, um, I, I don't know." Like I, I just think the the East, the the top of the East, I think is really interesting, and the Pacers, I think by most people's standards, have had a great summer. Um, so maybe the Pacers get a little bit better, you, even though I think last year they probably outperformed what they would in most situations. So I don't know. I, I just think like the top five teams, in, and are the Wizards going to finally fall off? Is that going to just blow up? Because, but also maybe the moves they made this summer were good. I don't know. So I'm, like I think the the top five teams, five six teams in the East, I think are pretty interesting this year. So we'll kind of see how all of that is. I would agree with you though. Best player in the East to me still goes to Giannis. 
if Kawhi starts to play and play up to the level that he was uh, pre-injury the last time we saw him play, because the last time we saw him play, he was destroying the Warriors. Like, not just destroying normal teams. He was destroying the Warriors. Uh, so, uh, I mean, he, he can do some pretty special stuff. So we'll see if he still has that in him. But, I don't know. It'll be it'll be fun to watch. I'm excited. Oh, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I'm excited for Eastern Conference basketball this year. What a strange yeah, and, and, thing to say. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, Jacob Goldstein, who's a great follow on Twitter. Um, Jacob does tons of interesting stats. And um, he's been doing ones where he's been basically updating team projections based on his plus minus metrics which you know again allows you to essentially convert individual performance and you can basically add your players together and figure out what you would expect the the number of wins to be for a team so um he actually has the bucks at 49.8 wins which is fourth in the east according to his um to his numbers so um just uh he's got the let's see raptors at 62 wins now with Kawhi. i think they added like seven or something like that that and he does a 90 percent confidence interval um just based on the i guess you know just the standard deviations around um i assume he probably does it around the individual player numbers and i don't know the full full details of how he does it but it's it is interesting i mean he's got the raptors at anywhere from 55 to 67 wins the the celtics interestingly only at 55 wins um 47 to 62 range sixers just behind the celtics 54 and a half 47 wins to 61 and a half as well so basically the same same range and then um the bucks um uh down in the league standings a few but uh at 49.8 which a range a 90 confidence confidence range of 42 to 57 wins i'm i'm probably most surprised by the 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 quote-unquote floor the 90 percent floor of uh of 42 um i would have put and again like whatever i have no mathematical basis for this right but um but i would have thought well there's probably some in the in the bottom in the bottom you know scenarios uh downside scenarios there's probably more like you know Giannis gets hurt and you win 37 games or something but um whatever if the math says 42 to 57 hey! i will take it yeah. i will take it all right i would agree with that uh that is going to be it for us for tonight on lockdown bucks for frank i'm eric this has been lockdown bucks we'll talk to you later <laughs>